Episode 19, Peak and Pit. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen of Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And you know it, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this to help hone their craft. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by talking about finding fulfillment in the highs and lows of your journey as an educator. So let's get started. I am part of a small group at my church, and this group is all young professionals, late 20s, early 30s, and we were sitting around one day just talking about normal life things, and a girlfriend of mine said, hey, let's talk about our peak and our pit of the week. And I thought, well, what does that mean? And she went on to explain it was something that they did in their family as a tradition around the dining room table is share the high and the low of their day. That is, the peak is the high and the pit is the low. I think it's great because you can celebrate things going well and then analyze what didn't go well so you can change it and have your pit turn into a peak. So I started thinking about my own educational journey. Obviously, there are thousands of peaks, but I don't ever seem to hone in on them. I always seem to think about the pits. They just weigh heavier for me. They stand out. You know, each year I can remember a blunder that I had in the classroom, and that's the way I remember it, not, you know, the many student teachers I had or the many mentees that I've had or providing professional development to a school and to my district or achieving my master's degree or my national board certification or being asked to design our mentor-mentee program or being on the panel for hiring teachers and my principal. Those are great moments in my career, and I know them, and I did celebrate them, but for whatever reason, I don't focus on them. And I should, because they bring me a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction, and they show my hard work and my dedication to the field. But for whatever reason, I just look at those distinguished pits. They, the ones that stand out, I remember every year, either a child that was really hard to work with but eventually overcame and we had a smooth year, or maybe it was, like I said, a blunder that I had in the classroom. And so there's three that stand out for me. The first pit for me lands around objectives. Now, this makes me laugh now because I help new teachers write extremely strong objectives, and I wish I had me now travel back in time to help the old me because I was clueless. Yes, I went to a four-year school, and we learned tons about theory and important educators of our time, but we didn't spend enough time on the logistics of being a teacher, and part of that is writing lesson plans, 
But at that time, our objectives weren't the focus, at least not in New York, where I originally got my degree many years ago. And so I knew objectives to be related to the topic of your lesson. Well, one day I wrote an objective on the board that didn't really have a skill attached to it. It was more of the topic we are going to be learning about today. And my principal came in and saw it and didn't say anything. And so later that day we had a staff meeting and I get called personally on the intercom to make sure I'm at this meeting. So already I'm alerted, like what is wrong? And of course, she's very upset about everyone in the school not writing proper objectives. And then the moment happens. She shares the objective I had on the board. And she said, and even a teacher wrote this. And I just sunk in my chair. Of course, no one knew who it was but me. But it was enough to make me just feel really bad about myself. Now, this was my first year teaching. And that's not an excuse. But it does tell you that I didn't know what I didn't know. And there were plenty of days that I wrote better objectives. This just happened to be the day that maybe I struggled. I don't even remember. I remember it was social studies. But I felt like, how do I get better when I don't really know what I did wrong? Like, you told me I didn't write a strong objective, but that was it. That's where the support stopped. And in fact, you didn't even tell me personally. You just told everyone else in the school, which was an ineffective leadership tactic, I would say, but that stands out to me as a distinguished pit. I mean, I still, to this moment, remember it, and I'm almost thankful for it because now when I'm helping new teachers, I really hone in on that, and although you think, well, the objective may not be the largest part of learning to be a teacher, but because it was kind of a painful moment for me, I really make sure I help someone so that they can avoid that same pitfall. The second one that stands out to me revolves around testing. I absolutely hate testing. And if you've heard this podcast and listened to the episode, more than a test score, you know how I feel about it. But again, this was my first year of teaching. Are you seeing a pattern here? <laughs> and I uh, was rushing out. I had to go tutor. We didn't have much time after school. And I had to go through and clean up the marks that my students made on their Scantron sheets. And this is allowed to happen. I still don't understand why we're allowed to touch the test, because if you're allowed to erase stray marks, who's to say you're not going to erase a student's answer and and fix it? But that's besides the point. So I was just going to take them home and do them later that night. Well, all would have been fine if I brought them back the next day, but I forgot them at home. So I had to call my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and he had to go to my place, grab the test bucket, and bring it to school. And, of course, he drops it in the front office. So now it's like an announcement to everyone that I took these home. So, of course, I get called in, and you cannot take these tests out of the school building. And as now, the teacher I am now knows that. That's obvious. Like, it's under lock and key. You cannot remove any testing materials, even from the classroom, really. Well, for me being new, I didn't quite understand. That wasn't obvious for me because you're allowing me to touch them. So what does it matter if I touch them in the building or out of the building? It's not like you need someone sitting there watching you as you edit them. I mean, I could have been doing whatever I wanted to to them in my classroom. So, of course, I I explained my side of the story. I knew I was wrong. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Well, how did you not know that? And I said, well... No one told me I couldn't remove them. 
And so from that day forward, every testing meeting, they would always say, and you cannot take the test bucket out of the building. And I giggled because they're saying that because I, of course, did that. But I almost think, thank God, because I almost needed that obvious statement sometimes before I even thought it was a good idea to take them. Would have saved me some embarrassment. But now I know that people that came after me won't make that same mistake. So again, I'm kind of like throwing myself in front of the bus to help the majority of teachers. But again, another pit that is embarrassing and it's distinguished. And I, to this day, many years later, remember it. The last pit that really stands out as being distinguished, a large pit, a pit I can't forget, revolves around tutoring. So this is now my third year teaching, and I had students stay after school in my classroom for tutoring. And this is something that a parent approached me about, and I thought, yeah, that sounds great. I'm already here for an hour or whatever. This is no big deal. I ended up spending 15 minutes after school just cleaning up my classroom, and that's when the students would finish homework. And it was all great, and parents were paying me what I normally got paid to tutor outside of the school. And, of course, the principal found out about it and called me in and said I could not tutor on school grounds, at least not for pay. I would have to do it for free, and at this point she wanted me to return all the money that had been given to me. Well, of course I'd spent that money, so I didn't have it, nor did I think that was fair because that wasn't stated ahead of time. It wasn't like, you cannot tutor within the building, and then I did it, and then the consequences, I'm, I pay it back. It was never told to me I couldn't do that. Well, of course, fast forward a few weeks, now it's in the district uh, newsletter that no teachers can tutor a child inside our on-school premises for pay. Now, I know I'm not the only one because... I have friends who were doing the exact same thing. That's why I didn't realize it was bad. But apparently, because my principal found out about it, she called her leader just to make sure it is, in fact, against the law, and that's what made it become this huge declaration to the district. Of course, none of these things were done to purposely embarrass me, and a lot of people that worked with me didn't even know I was the reason behind them, but of course I know. And that's why these are distinguished pits, things I won't forget, things that I look back and I'm like, yep, that was the year of blank. But when analyzing each of these pits, I realized, okay, my objectives were topic and not skill. Easy to fix. The testing scenario, it needs to be under lock and key. Do not take it with you. Got it. And tutoring, you just need to move off campus. So I'm now looked at these pits and made a plan so that I don't get in the same situation again. But I also wanted to analyze them as a whole to see if there was any patterns, to see if there's an area that I'm really struggling in. And luckily, it was all due to being naive, and that can be fixed with, you know, experience, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And now here I am years later with a blog and a podcast and a book, and I'm coaching And it's all because I want people to feel successful and to shorten their pits and not allow them to become distinguished like mine are. I want to give back. So using my pain to help someone else. So I want you guys right now as you're driving to work or running on the treadmill or putting your kids to sleep, whatever you might be doing, peek and pit yourself. 
you can do this personally or professionally, but think about the things that went really well and then think about the things that didn't. And make a plan for turning your pits into a peak. And so if you're like me, writing the peak list, I was almost not interested in it. But I think you should and not jump right to the pits to fix because you should look at the length of the list. Like my peak list, I only shared a few, is almost a page long and my pit is those three pits. Like there are other little things, but I don't really consider those like pits, like things that I won't forget, things that were pretty bad and from my perspective. And then seek help. Once you make your list and you make your plan, go seek help. Who can help you? Like I had to sit down with a teacher friend to take the exact objective I wrote and tell me, what is wrong here? What do I need to tweak? And she helped me see that it was almost like an incomplete sentence or a thought. It needed a piece of information about what students were going to be doing. And that made me feel successful. And I even had another teacher who ended up being one of our administrators years later come in each morning and review and say, yeah, I think that this is great. And I did that myself. My principal didn't ask someone to come check up or sit with me and help me. I went out and asked because I didn't want to repeat it. And not only that, I wanted to become good at it. Like I wanted to understand what I wasn't doing well and I wanted to practice and do it well, and I wanted someone to be there and and, and tweak it during this process. And then once you've peaked and pitted yourself, you've made a plan, you are now seeking help, go share your story. That's what I love about this podcast is just, you know, showing behind the curtains of whatever behind-the-scenes scenarios have happened to me and really let you know that you're not alone because You never know the community that is there to support you if you keep all of your skeletons in the closet. And you might think your pit is huge and distinguished, but I bet someone else has got a story that can top yours. I mean, people laugh about mine. They're like, oh my God, well, you were like a first-year teacher. You didn't know any better. But to me, it's like, but I made that decision. I'm a horrible person. And now I look back and I'm like, no, they're right. Like, I didn't know. It's not like I purposely was doing things wrong or I just wasn't smart enough. I, I guess, just didn't think about it from that angle because I I lacked experience. But I want you to know that peaks are worth celebrating, but so are your pits. Pits mean you are growing. Pits show what area needs strength and focus Pits are evidence you're human. Pits formulate your character and humility. Pits are great stories. And pits make the peak worthwhile. Think about it. If everything always was wonderful, you wouldn't cherish it when it happened. It just became your everyday experience. But because the pit has some pain, that means your peak has some pleasure. And so they go hand in hand together. And so you need to appreciate both. No great educator is without fail. So embrace the pit, celebrate the peak, and keep on trucking. Be honest with yourself. Focus on growth and not perfection. And use your journey to help someone else. I'm wishing you a wonderful day full of worthwhile pits and momentous peaks.
All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on talking about finding fulfillment and the highs and lows of your journey as an educator. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. Hi, Elite Educators. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. Also, stay connected with Always a Lesson through social media. Like us on Facebook at Always a Lesson and follow me personally on Twitter at G Schultek. That's G-S-C-H-U-L-T-E-K. I look forward to connecting with you. Calling elite educators. Are you in need of feeling empowered by someone who is just like you, who does just what you do, and, well, just gets it? Then hop on over to alwaysalesson.com to learn more on the blog for tips and tricks of remaining passionate about your current work. Also, check out our social media links for more personal connection to other elite educators just like you. And if you're a newbie educator, grab a copy of my book, Elementary Education 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College, to ensure you beat the learning curve and end your first year ahead of the game. Alwaysalesson.com provides something for everyone. So elite educators, stop by today and get empowered.